Hello, my friends. Look, our hope is really in the mercy of God, let's face it. Uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now, uh, remember um, Pope John Twenty-Third? Well, many of you wouldn't remember him, but <laughs> he was a beautiful roly-poly pope, a wonderful man, and a very merciful heart. But when he was the Archbishop of, um, as Angelo Roncalli, one of the priests under his care had uh, like fallen into big trouble, and the Archbishop's advisors were uh, you know, seeking drastic punitive measures in one way or another to sort of deal with this priest. Uh, and the Archbishop just simply took hold of a goblet, a glass goblet that he had uh, there before him. And he said, whose wine glass is this? And they said, well, it's yours, Your Excellency. And then he just smashed it onto the stone floor and it smashed into pieces. And he said, and whose is it now? And they said, well, it's yours, Your Excellency. And he said, that's how it is with my brother. Whether he's all together and harmonious and going well, or whether he's smashed on the floor, broken to pieces, he's still my brother. That's not a bad attitude, is it? That's the way the attitude that we need to have, I think, in today's world. Too often we're ready to sort of condemn and to look for punishment and uh, all sorts of things upon people who have fallen badly. And maybe sometimes that judge justice is necessary, but the mercy needs to be there. He's still my brother. That's so important, isn't it, in the way that we deal with one another. So the world desperate to end is need, in need of this attitude of mercy. The true face of Christ, you know, the true face of the church is really the face of mercy, the face of compassion, huh? At the African uh, Synod of Bishops in uh, 2009 in Rome, there was a Rwandan religious sister, uh, Sister Genevieve, who gave a testimony. Uh, in 1997, after the Rwandan massacre, when uh, she'd gone to the, her birthplace with a Divine Mercy group to meet with prisoners, uh, some who had been perpetrators uh, of the genocide that had taken place in 1994, where like over 500,000 people had been killed over 10 days. So here she was facing this group of prisoners. Um, some of them had, were perpetrators of the violence and some of them had victims of the violence. And she invited those that sort of needed to uh, ask for forgiveness to stand up and do so, and those who needed to forgive uh, to do so. Uh, and she got a big surprise because the first one to stand up immediately was a man that she recognized as someone from her village. And he stood up to confess that he'd killed her father and gave details of the death of her family members. She was shocked, terrified. Uh, and he said, and now I, I ask for forgiveness. And she shook within herself, but she found herself able to walk up to him and to embrace him and say, I do forgive, you are still my brother. And she said when she did that, she felt a weight fall off her, uh, that a new peace in her heart, you know. And the man then, she was surprised, cried out, you know, well, justice, you can have your way with me now, but I'm free because I've been forgiven. 
See, justice had to do its work. But even though justice condemned him, now he knew he was free because he'd been forgiven. He'd received mercy from the one who needed to, he needed to receive it from most of all. Uh, this sister who had lost her, her, her family uh, under his direction. So that's a beautiful story, isn't it? And, and uh, this sister then went on to develop helping prisoners uh, who, um, in, right across uh, the whole of um, Rwanda, you know, who had sort of in some way been involved in, in causing harm during that time uh, of, of the genocide and helping them to write letters and asking forgiveness and helping others to write letters to bring forgiveness. So it was a whole way of healing and liberation and reconciliation that was going on. So yes, there needs to be a fundamental change of attitude, a change of heart, really. Uh, now Pope John Paul II used to always sort of say that we'll never have world peace until we have a change of heart in people. It's an attitudinal change that's important, isn't it? He said there's no true peace without reconciliation. There's no reconciliation without forgiveness. There's no forgiveness without mercy. There's no mercy without a change of heart. And there's no change of heart without the grace of God. Huh? And so we need to pray for the grace of God for a real change of heart. Uh, I find myself often crying out to God too for that grace of the softening of the heart against uh, others who may have offended me in some way or another. Now we, we have to be persuaded by the love of God which melts the hard-hearted. And only he can change our fundamental attitudes to one another. Huh? Uh, uh, the, the grace that comes upon us. Remember in Ezekiel, where it's, Ezekiel speaks of God's plan for us. A new heart, the Lord says, I'll give you. And a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and you shall be my people and I will be your God. You know, one of the great sicknesses in the human heart is racial prejudice. Uh, it's a destructive uh, way of relationships and social harmony. You know, it, it just destroys relationships. It's a form of blindness, really, uh, leading to fear, uh, self-protectiveness, hatred. Racial prejudice is a terrible thing. It's an attitude of superiority, of course, and condescension that undermines the the fundamental dignity of the human person. It's not recognizing that dignity. So only the grace of God can bring new eyes, a new heart, and, and overcome that blindness, you see. Uh, so we can walk in uh, the shoes of another person with real compassion. Huh? So this uh, racial uh, prejudice is, is deep in the human heart and it's really hard to dig out. Uh, there needs to be a change of heart, uh, a, a turn from blindness to new sight, really. I'm thinking of the story of uh, Stoffel Vandenberg uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. Growing up as a young man in the 1980s, um, you know, they had black servants at home, as was the usual thing with white uh, families. Uh, he went to a totally white school. Um, 
The only blacks um, he came across were those that were cleaning the toilets at the school, really. And so the blacks would come into the town uh, every day to sort of do serve the whites and then go out to the crossroads at night time where they lived in, in squalor and, and um, very basic living conditions. So Stoffel worked in the bank at Barclays Bank. He was a, a very accomplished cricketer uh, and went into politics, you know, uh, and fully supported the apartheid policy. In fact, uh, his first uh, maiden speech was... You know, I'll go to my grave, he says, knowing apartheid is right. Right, it's right for blacks as well as for the whites. And he received a standing ovation. But everything changed for Stoffel in 1989 uh, as he was driving his car towards a political rally. And he misjudged uh, as he was overtaking a a, a truck uh, and the oncoming car, uh, he saw the face of the driver as... uh, this car just uh, tried to swerve away and uh, it clipped the Stoffel's car. So when uh, Stoffel regained consciousness, uh, you know, three weeks later, uh, his wife was at the bedside uh, together with the, the surgeon. And he said, what happened? What happened? And uh, the surgeon said, well, Mr. Vandenberg, you're very lucky to be alive um, because um, only moments um, after... Uh, the other driver died, your heart stopped. And it was your luck that a suitable donor was in the neighbouring operating theatre. And and Tuffle said, not the man who was driving that vehicle. He said, yes, that's right. And Tuffle said, but but he was black. Uh, And the surgeon said, Mr. Vandenberg, I have news for you. Your body didn't know the difference. And so then, um, when they came out from the hospital, Stoffel had been told, he'll only have about four years on this new heart before he dies. So he said to his wife, Ingrid, he said, like, things are going to have to change. And so he went to the bank where he'd, he'd worked, he resigned from his job, took out all his life savings, and every day uh, for the next four years, he went out to the crossroads where the black people lived and um, he started to, he built a sort of a soccer field out there. Um, he built a, a sort of a cricket place where the guys could play cricket. And he started to work with the young, uh, young guys who were getting into crime and, and drugs and alcohol and all that sort of thing and work with them. They called him the Crossroads Angel for four years. And when he died... Uh, after that time, uh, at the, his funeral, there were 3,000 people. And the reporters were unable to sort of say whether there were more whites or blacks present at his funeral, even though he's prominent in white society. Actually, there were as many blacks at his funeral to give him honour. You see... A change of heart makes all the difference. He'd received a physical heart, a new physical heart uh, that he'd received from that other driver, but what he received most of all was a change of heart in a new attitude, a new way of seeing things, a new perspective on life that God wants to give us. It's his merciful heart as we have mercy upon one another. 
There's too much prejudice in the world, not only racial prejudice, racial prejudice, but other sorts of prejudice as well. Uh, and it's a change of heart that's needed, really. As Pope uh, John Paul II said, what really matters is to have peace in the world. We've got to have a change of heart. So let's pray for that change of heart that we will um, you know, have a new attitude so that we can have a heart of mercy that lives for eternity, not sort of a heart that's sort of narrow and, 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 and closed in upon itself, but a merciful heart. There's many complex issues in the world, but the mercy of God is the key that will open the door towards the way ahead. Like without mercy, we'll be sort of consumed by uh, anxious rivalries, petty feuds, uh, fear and prejudice, you know, irreparably dislocated relationships. We'll just be sort of tied up in uh, our own selves. And so it's important to join our prayer with the millions of people around the world, uh, with St. Faustina, you know, who taught us to pray, you know, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us, our Lord, and on the whole world. So we must gaze again upon the heart of Jesus on the cross, broken open in love for us, because from his wounded side flowed blood and water, the, the font of uh, infinite mercy for the world. Now from the ocean of his mercy, grace flows out for the whole world. And we need to trust fully in what he's done for us on the cross. That's the way we need to pray. And to pray often, I think, uh, for this grace of mercy. And especially when we find a heart sort of closing to somebody. Because if your heart is closed to any person, then your heart's closed to God. And it's as we uh, ask the Lord for his mercy to be poured upon us and his grace upon us, then the heart will open and we'll be able to sort of see things rightly. Because uh, it's the Pharisees of, of, of this world like uh, who have a, a hard heart, a blindness towards the, the dignity and worth and beauty and goodness of other people. And so we need to ask for that merciful heart, the heart of Christ, that you know, he, he spent time with tax collectors and sinners, you know, with those who were despised by others. Um, that's how it, he mixed around because he wanted to be with uh, those who are most in need, you know. So it's, he shows us the way that we don't sort of put ourselves in a higher position over others uh, and think, look down the nose at others like the Pharisees used to do and consider them to be despicable and less than ourselves. But when we know the merciful heart of the Lord, uh, we just are able to sort of be with others, aware of our own weakness and brokenness and sinfulness, and at the same time able to, uh, without any judgmental attitude, seek out to help and to care for others and to meet them in their deepest needs. And bless his name.